And Second Peter chapter three is a is a verse that um, that will I think mean something to you and I today. But uh, well, today we're going to be continuing in our series called uh, Unlimited Grace. And last week we talked about God's amazing grace. Isn't God's grace amazing? You know, and, and we talked about, you know, the most famous song in church for all these years. I think it, this amazing grace was written in something like 1773 or something like that. And it's still one of the most popular songs of all time. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It's something about just saying that amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It feels you seem like you're sitting up taller just because I say amazing grace. How sweet the sound. There's something about that. Amen. But how many of you know that God's got unlimited grace? What is grace? It's God's divine favor and his influence in our life. It's God meeting us at our, our point of need through Jesus Christ. You know, it's God's grace that saves us. It's God's grace that restores us. It's God's grace that heals us. It's God's grace that transforms us. It's God's grace that liberates us. It's God's grace that sustains us. It's God's grace that caused the prodigal son to be restored to the banquet table. It's God's grace that caused the woman who had suffered with, the, with bleeding for 12 long years to have a divine healing and be restored to health. Amen? It's God's grace that allowed the thief on the cross to make it into heaven. It's God's grace that caused 12 men to be raptured radically transformed and to become 12 mighty men of God. It's God's grace that provides for every need that's in this room today. It's all by God's grace. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Paul wanted the Corinthian church to know that God's grace is sufficient. How many of you know that? God's grace is sufficient to get you through anything that you're going through. Now, somebody needs to hear that today. God's grace is sufficient to get you through anything that you're going through. Amen. The great news about grace is God is, is that Jesus made it possible for us to live every moment of every day in the grace and the liberty of the power of God. Amen. God's grace is awesome. Amen. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 17, Peter said this, Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, God doesn't only want us to be saved by grace. God wants us to grow in grace. Amen? He wants us... I got somebody coming to help me preach this morning. He wants us to grow in grace. Amen. Now listen, to grow in grace means to be increasingly touched by God's spirit. It means to, to experience God's presence more and more. Listen, God never intended for us to just be touched by his grace whenever we get saved. God wants us to live in grace. He wants us to walk in grace. He wants us to eat in grace. He wants us to sleep in grace. He wants us to breathe in grace. He wants us to live our lives in grace. But we need to grow in grace. We need to increase in grace. The more grace, the more freedom. The more grace, the more peace. The more grace, the more joy. The more grace, the more favor. The more grace, the more strength we'll have to get through our tough times. The more grace the more we can experience heaven 
here on the earth. We need more grace. Are you convinced, Ed? We need to grow in grace. And so today I want to talk about how we keep growing in grace, how we keep walking in grace, how we keep experiencing the grace of God. And I just have three points. So you get a chance to make it to the restaurant in time. Amen. But the first point is this. When we become, we grow in grace when, first of all, we become convinced that God is gracious and his grace is always available. Now, that sounds so elementary, but we can believe that in our head, but not experience that in our heart. Well, let me say it one more time. To grow in grace, we have to be convinced that God is gracious. And his grace is always available. Scripture encourages us to come confidently to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, what is the throne of grace? Well, you know, throne means seat of power. And grace means benefit, favor, gift, and gracious liberality. And so throne of grace means God's seat of power where his benefits, favor, and gifts are graciously and liberally extended. How many of you want to go there? The grace of God, the throne of grace. So the scripture is saying, let us come boldly to God's seat of power so that we may receive his benefits, his favor, his gifts to help us in our time of need. You know, I think of the throne of grace to be something like this. You know, when I worked in the oil field, for some time I was a warehouseman. And I prepared equipment to go on jobs on the rigs and the platforms and stuff. And in this warehouse, everything I needed to get the job done was right there in the warehouse. If I needed parts, we had them in the warehouse. If I needed O-rings or gaskets to fix the part, it was right there in the warehouse. If I needed tools... If I, if I couldn't uh, break apart or something and I needed tools, I wasn't strong enough. There were tools there in the warehouse to get that job done. If I needed instruction on how to put a part together or how to put a piece together or how to tear it apart, it was all there. Everything I needed to get the job done successfully was right there in the resources of the warehouse. And I see the throne of the grace of God as the resource center of God's benefits, favor, and gifts, adequate for everything we need to have a successful life. Amen? And so then, he's waiting for us to make deposits from heaven. He's waiting for us to make deposits from the resource center. He's saying, listen, everything that you need to get through what you're going through, I've already provided. It's in the throne, the seat of God's power. It's in the throne of grace. But here's the key. We have to be convinced and we have to be confident he wants to help us in our time of need. Sometimes we come to church and we, we serve him and we know it's our duty. We know it's our responsibility and we know it's what we need to do. But I'm convinced that sometimes we're not convinced that grace is sufficient and grace is available for us when we're going through what we're going through. Hebrews 4.16 says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence. Confidence means to come openly and come freely with assurance of spirit. That when you come, it's going to be all right. Listen, when your children walk in your house, they can come boldly into your house and go boldly into the refrigerator and boldly eat what they want, right? 
But if a stranger comes into your house, they can't do that. Amen. Well, listen, you're a son of the house. You're a daughter of the house. And you don't have to just come and sit in a living room. You can go boldly into the kitchen and you can open up the refrigerator and you can get what you need in the throne of grace. Amen. Our confident trust in God's graciousness is key in receiving more of God's grace. In Hebrews 10.35, it says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Don't throw it away. God always rewards those who come to Him with confidence. He always does. If you come to God, you can bank on it. And so the Scripture says in verse 35, Do not throw away your confidence. You know what I found? That sometimes when I'm going through a very difficult time in my life, I lose confidence in the grace of God. And Hebrews is saying, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw it away. God always rewards those who come to him with confidence. Amen? So I think the more confident we are in the gracious generosity of God, the more we're going to experience the grace of God in our life. Are y'all still tracking with me out there? So listen, you, you can have a refrigerator full of grace. But if you just sit in the living room and you don't open the refrigerator door, you're going to go in need. Amen? So we need to come. Now, our confidence is not in our own religious performance, but from the gracious example of Jesus. Now listen, sometimes we can't get this in our head. Grace is what we didn't earn. We didn't earn grace to be saved. It's not like we earned enough brownie points because of our good life living that God said, okay, now you can come in. Am I right, saints of God? But sometimes when it comes to grace, we think, well, you know what? I'm not sure I've been living good enough to believe in or expect God's grace to be with me. It's not our performance. It's in what Jesus did. And this is what two verses just before the one we've been looking at. It says this in verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to that we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Now, notice before he says to come boldly into the grace of God, he says, remember who's your high priest. He's touched with our infirmities. He understands what it is to be weak. He understands what it is to be persecuted, to struggle, to be rejected, to be betrayed. He understands that because he understands that. And because he's a faithful high priest, saints of God, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. You know, I, uh, whenever I was growing up, we had chihuahuas. Y'all have, some of you have pit bulls. We had chihuahuas. And our chihuahuas would chase the pit bulls away. <laughs> True story. But you know what? I had this chihuahua, and one day we had some folks visiting. And, uh, and the, you know, a chihuahua would be a chihuahua and ran after the guest and trying to, you know, bite the heel of the guest. And one of our family members got... Got, got just frustrated with the chihuahua and went to shoo the chihuahua away and just kicked the chihuahua right in the right spot in the ribs and, and just 
that hurt that dog. It was my dog. And so the dog ran under the house. And for days, the dog wouldn't come out from under the house. And I would be looking under our houses on pillars. I'd be looking and just inviting the chihuahua to come out. And because I loved my dog and I wanted to be gracious to my dog. But the, the chihuahua now didn't trust the graciousness of the family. And so what I did was I'd go and I would throw food under the house. Because if you don't come out from under the house, it's dark under there. It's wet under there. There's no food under there. How are you going to survive under there? And so I'd begin to throw dog, food under the house, trying to coerce the dog to come out. And eventually the dog began to come and, and, and eat just a distance from my hand. And then eventually out of my hand. And finally I was able to get the dog out from under the house and hold the dog. And it took forever to get this dog in the mindset that his owner was a gracious owner. But the hit he had in his life is not the representative of his owner. And I think some of us were living under the house because we've been kicked in life. And now we're reflecting the hurt and the pain of life to our owner. And he's saying, get out from under the house. I'm a gracious God. And I got food in my hand. And I'm not going to kick you when you're down. I'm going to help you when you're hurt. Come out from under the house. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Are y'all hearing me out there? I don't know what it is that you are going through today, but you need to know that God's grace is here. Amen? Now, the second way we grow in God's grace is this. When we begin to take advantage of our opportunities to grow in grace. You know, to grow in grace, you have to begin seeing problems differently. Every problem and difficulty that we face is a grace opportunity. Every trial and tribulation we go through is a grace opportunity. And listen, we'll never know the true depth of God's grace until we begin experiencing His grace in the middle of our problems, our trials, and our tribulations. That's when we get to understand the depth of God's grace. Not when we're on the mountaintop, but rather when we're in the valley. Listen, life's problems provide divine opportunities to grow in grace. You see, you don't grow in grace when you're on the mountaintop. You grow in grace in the valley. Well, listen, the greater the struggle, the greater the opportunity to experience grace. I remember Brother Francis telling this story. And somebody was saying, man, I don't know if I could lead on my life for Christ, if I could be mortared for Christ. And some very godly man said this, listen, you won't have the grace to go through that until you go through that. But when you, if you have to go through that, grace will be there so that you can go through that. Amen. The apostle Paul learned this lesson in a very personal way. And he said this in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason... Keep me from exalting myself. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Now, three truths right here that Paul learned from this experience. Number one, the first truth is this. The possibility of growing in grace is heightened when my circumstances weaken me. 
See, my strength short circuits the grace of God. The more weak I am in myself, the greater the opportunity for the grace of God. You know why most of us got saved? Because we got weakened in life and realized we needed help. And we got saved by grace because we were in a weakened state. Amen? And Paul said, God said, through Paul, for power is perfected in weakness. The second truth is this. God's power and strength is always adequate to get me through the problems and circumstances I'm facing. Anything and everything. God said through Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, what he's saying is that regardless of how big, how small, how long, how short, the trial, the tribulation, the thing that you're going through, I can match what you're going through with my grace. I can match your weakness with my strength. Amen. Hey, regardless of what you're going through, God says, my grace, oh, you're depressed, my grace is sufficient. Oh, you're just discouraged, my grace is sufficient. Oh, you're, you're, you're struggling uh, mentally, my grace is sufficient. Come on, you're having relational problems, my grace is sufficient. Whatever it is you're going through, my grace is sufficient. Isn't that great news, saints of God? Isn't that a great verse right there? Amen. My grace is sufficient. The third truth is this, to grow in grace I have to shift my focus. I have to shift my focus. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. You know what the Lord did, I think, with Paul? Paul said, hey, Lord, I got this thorn. Man, can I give you his name, Lord? I got this thorn in my flesh. Can I give you the, I, can I explain to you the circumstance? I got this thorn. In, we don't know what it is. It was a thorn in the flesh. But Paul went from talking to the Lord about this thorn in his flesh. And then he turns it over to say, oh my goodness, man, I will boast about my thorn in the flesh because the more thorns in my flesh I have, the more of the grace of God. The more of the grace of God I'll experience in life. Now, come on, how many of you feel like you're not quite there yet? But he's trying to encourage us not to focus on our problem, but focus on him. Remember, Peter experienced enough grace to walk on water until he lost focus of grace. The Bible says, Matthew 14, 29, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, there's the thorn, and he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So Peter, you know, we say, you know, Peter, if he wouldn't have looked at the wind and the wave, he'd have kept walking on the water, and we're critical of Peter. Hey, at least he got out of the boat. Don't be critical of him until you get out of the boat. Amen. But listen, Peter walked on water until he got his eyes off of grace and he got his eyes on the circumstance. And it's natural for you, if you got a pain in your side, to not think about the pain in your side. It takes discipline. It takes focus. Not to allow the pain in your side to draw all your attention and focus, but to keep your attention and focus on the grace of God. Amen? And then when you focus on the grace of God, you're going to learn that grace is sufficient. Amen? 
Now, I don't know where you are today. You may be going through a circumstance that's weakened you. But let me encourage you to quit giving so much attention to your circumstance and give more attention to the throne room of grace. Because that's where strength comes from. That's where the the grace to get through what you're going through comes from. Amen? And so if you will keep your eyes on the grace of God, if you'll keep your eyes on the throne of grace, and you come boldly and confidently, you'll find out you get over to the other side. Amen? And you're going you're gonna to get through that storm that you're in, and you're going to find out that your God is a faithful God. Amen? Now, a third way we get... We can keep growing in grace is number three. When we begin developing a grace dependency. You know, I believe the more dependent on God's grace we become, the more we experience God's grace. You know, I think it's good for us to become codependent. Not on each other, but on God's grace. Amen. But our tendency is to be codependent on each other. Oh, let me call somebody. But God says, no, I am your provision. And so I think it's good for us to become codependent on God. Man, you're praying again, yes. You're worshiping again, yes. You're talking to God again, yes, I am. I am a codependent person, amen? I'm codependent on the grace of God because I realize I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere without the grace of God, amen? Come on, how many of you feel like you need the grace of God in your life? We all do, amen? So this is what James says, James chapter 4 and verse 6. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Wow, according to James, there's a greater grace we can all experience in life. Not just saving grace, there's a greater grace. I don't know how much grace you're operating in right now, but can I tell you, there's a greater grace? There's more grace, amen? Hey, we can't tap out God's unlimited grace. It's unlimited, amen? And so how do you experience the greater grace that James is talking about? Well, James says right there, it's by humbling ourselves before God. God is opposed or resists the proud. Now, the last thing we need is God opposing us. Because that's not, that's not a good fight right there. Amen? Would you all agree? To oppose means to stand against or withhold help. In other words, rather than God helping you by empowering you and strengthening you, He withholds His help and allows you to get frustrated in your attempts to do it all on your own. No, God wouldn't do that. God is opposed to the proud. I don't know how you spiritualize that where it doesn't mean something negative, but he's not on your side. He's not going to work with you. He's not going to help you. But here's the good news. He gives grace to the humble. He's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So instead of God withholding help, he gives strength and power, favor and blessing to those who are humble. So then God's grace comes to the humble of heart. And so then the question we should be asking is, Lord, how do I humble myself? 
How, how do I walk in humility so I can experience the greater grace? Well, I believe the way that we experience the greater grace is through humbly being codependent on God. That's what I think. The humble of heart are those who learn to depend and rely on God for help. Amen? Have you ever, have you ever had your hands full and you had something on top of your head and on your shoulder and, and you're dropping things and somebody says, you need help? And you say, what do you say? What do you say? Oh, you've done that. I'm not the only one. Say, bro, it looks like you need help, man. <laughs> You're dropping stuff. It's falling off, you know. You need help. Oh, no, I got, I, I, I got it. And here we are in life, and we're trying to juggle life. And God says, hey, you need help. And we say, oh, no, I. That's pride. That's pride right there. Come on. You got to rely on God. There's a greater grace, but you got to learn to depend on God. You see, humility is recognizing your need for God's strength and power. It's recognizing your need for favor and blessing. You see, listen, if we're going through something and, you know, and somebody says, hey, man, I know you're going through that, yada, 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 you know, and you say, God is faithful. Yeah, he is. But the question is, have you asked him for help? Have you leaned on him for help? You see, we need to remember, the more we depend on God's grace, the more we'll experience God's grace. The more we depend on God's grace, the more we'll experience God's grace. God's grace is here to get us into heaven. But He's got a greater grace. And greater grace comes, according to James, greater grace comes to those who humbly walk with God. The more we depend on God's strength and power, the more we will experience God's strength and power. So pride, which is self-reliant, which is self-dependency, blocks God's grace. So, man, I can I can preach this to you, but it's harder to live it. It's harder to live it, especially when you've been living on your own strength. You've relied on your own power for years. And it's so easy to turn the switch and tap into your own ability and your own strength and rely on the grace of God. But God's saying, listen, let every frustration you go through a reminder that you're leaning too much on yourself and not enough on me. Amen. Whenever you get tired, you get worn out, you're ready to throw the towel in. Let it be a reminder that you're relying too much on your own ability and not enough on God's ability. Amen. But humility is God reliance and God dependency. Now, let me close with just this story that I think is one of the greatest examples in the Bible of the difference between pride and humility. Remember King Uzziah. He's the perfect example of the difference of us walking in pride or humility. Do you remember King Uzziah? He began his life walking in great humility before God. I mean, he depended on God. He relied on God. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 26, 5, he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Seeking God means he depended on God. He relied on God. 
In verse 15, in Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners of the purpose of shooting arrows and great stone. Hence his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. King Uzziah became a mighty king. I mean, he invented new ways to do war and his enemies didn't have a chance and, and he just succeeded and, and God was blessing him and prospering him. He was walking humbly before God. But here was his undoing. The Bible says in verse 16, but when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. And he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now we know that King Uzziah was a Levitical priest. It was not his place to burn incense. But he got so arrogant in heart, he became so prideful, he told the priests what to do. I'm going to, you waiting too long, I'm going to burn the incense. And they tried to stop him. His pride was operating in his life. But he didn't want to have no part of it. While he was still in the temple trying to burn incense, verse 20 says, Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him. Behold, he was leprous on his forehead. And they hurried him out of there, and he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And he lived in a separate house being a leper for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Wow, isn't that, isn't that a powerful example? King Uzziah became marvelously helped of God to the point that he became strong. But somewhere in the conquest of his success, he started to quit depending on God. And pride began to enter his life. And all of a sudden, there was his downfall. The scripture says, pride comes before fall. So if pride comes before fall, humility will lift you up. Amen? Humble yourself in the sight of God and He will lift you up. Amen? Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer? How many of you want that greater grace today? Amen. Amen. This is an IQ question. How many of you feel like you need a greater grace on your life? Amen. That's an IQ question. See how smart you really are. How many of you feel like you need God's grace in a greater way? Amen. Okay, so this is how we get it. When we become convinced that God is gracious. There may be some of you in here today that you're not quite convinced that God is gracious. Maybe you've been like that chihuahua living under the house. It's an example of sometimes how in our mind and in our heart the Father is saying, come out from under the house. I want to feed you. And you say, man, I've been kicked. I've been hurt. And God says, I, I am not the one that kicked you. And I'm not the one that hurt you. Why are you going to stay away from me? Come on, I believe some of you in here today you just need to write where you are. Just open your heart to, to the grace of God. Amen. There's some of us in here today that need to take advantage of our opportunity to experience more grace. 
If you've been weakened in your life right now because of a situation, you are a great candidate for more of the grace of God. Amen? Are y'all with me today? And it comes when we humbly depend on Him. So just close your eyes with me for a moment and just, just make that a secret place. And just let's just take a moment right now in the presence of God. If you're here today and you say, Todd, I don't know that I've ever received saving grace. If I die, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I don't know whether I performed good enough and I don't want to rely on my performance. I need saving grace. I need God's forgiveness today. Would you pray for me that my sins would be forgiven and that I would have saving grace today? That's you. Just raise your hand so I can see it because I want to pray a special prayer. Just raise it high so I can see it because I don't want to miss you. This is the beginning of experiencing the grace of God. And then there's some of you maybe that are here today and you're going through a difficult time and it's weakened you and you need God's grace right now for your situation. Let me see if your hand, if that's you, just raise your hand. In fact, raise both of them. I want to pray for you right there where you are. Just raise both of your hands and just, just begin to open up your heart right now and just begin to just begin to receive right now from the grace of God. Let's all pray together, saints, and let's ask God to release His power. Come on now. Come on. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly. Come confidently. Come on. Come by faith. Come in trust. Come on. Come right now believing and trusting that God's grace is being released over your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you that, God, you're reaching your hand down and you're touching every person that has their hand raised right now and that the grace and strength of God is coming upon them right now in Jesus name in Jesus name all right now how many of you feel like you could use greater grace let me see your hands if you feel come on let's close the service and let's ask God for greater grace today come on let's humbly ask God for greater grace father God we know that we're saved by grace we're restored by grace today we know that we're healed by grace we're transformed by grace and we know that anything and everything we do is by the grace of God Father we believe that you have a greater grace for each and every one of us so Father I pray today I pray for myself God for a greater grace I need you God I pray for everyone in this room for greater grace. God, we need you today. And we ask you, Father, to release your grace on every family, every home, every heart, and every life. May the greater grace of God, the unlimited grace of God, be upon this fellowship and upon this congregation, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody that agreed with that prayer said, Amen. Amen, amen. I love, I love amen in the deaf community. You know what it is? Amen. Come on, amen. Come on, God's grace is sufficient. Amen, amen. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a wonderful day.